This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, everyone. I'm Becky Parker Geist. I'm the president of Bay Area Independent Publishers Association and the CEO of Pro Audio Voices. And I'm really excited to have with me today William McGinnis, author of the Adam Weldon Thriller series. California native, Bill is also the author of five nonfiction books about whitewater rafting and sailing, and now he's writing thriller novels. Bill is well-known as the river-exploring founder of Whitewater Voyages, and his passions include hiking, woodworking, staring into space, audiobooks, and exploring new paths to adventure, friendship, and growth. He now lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's my pleasure, Becky. Yeah. So you just launched, just published Slay the Dragon, your fourth book in the Adam Weldon thriller series. I would love it if you would just share with us a little bit more about your your journey of writing. Like, let's go way back. Like, what got you started in the first place? Mm, what an interesting question. Well, I just always uh, had an interest in writing uh, some unexplainable desire to tell stories and things. I remember um, my older brother, who unfortunately is no longer with us, would we when we were on walks and things, he'd say, hey, Bill, tell a story, tell a story. And uh, I would just make up a story. <laughs> That's great. And, uh, that, that often involved things in our lives, places that we were hiking to that day or something. Yeah. And uh, it was just fun to tap into those deep inner creative wellsprings. And uh, to this day, a day that I spend writing, even when it doesn't flow big time, occasionally it just flows and it fits and just, you know, magical. Yeah. Other times it's, it's, it's more painful, it's slow, it's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But any day that I spend some chunk of the day writing whether it's highly productive or minimally so, yeah, it's a good day. It yeah. just it just feels like I'm in a on a path of meaning and just experiencing life in a deeper on a deeper level in a way that just feels more alive. Awesome. And uh, I guess that answers that a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm like, how how old were you when you were brother was saying, "Hey, tell us a story." Oh, geez, I don't know. You know. Seven years old, 10 years old. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so when you got around to, you know, thinking about publishing, like the first step into actually publishing 
a book. What was your first book? Well, that was a how-to book about whitewater rafting called Whitewater Rafting. And I was very fortunate in that a professor of mine had published a bunch of books and and I um, showed him an outline of my book and uh, he showed it to his agent in New York. And within just a few weeks, I had a contract with the New York Times Book Company to publish that book. And it became kind of a Bible of the sport of rafting and um, launched me on a whole career of running river rafting trips. And uh, during that time, I wrote more about rafting and then about sailing and eventually sold the company. I was very lucky to to have such an amazing career of all these adventures of uh, going all over the world, running rivers and, you know, meeting all sorts of people and, and working with just amazing souls, many of whom are dear friends to this day. And then I was also just incredibly lucky to realize, hey, you know what? There's life after outfitting. I don't have to do it right up until the day I drop dead. And and I was, it, there's no, you know, when you go to sell a goofy business like a rafting company, there's no, you know, there's no uh, uh, set way to do it. There's, mm. you know, you just have to figure it out. It, mm-hmm. And it's much like just running a river or something. You just figure it out. You, you know, you have to be where you are and, and, uh, just uh, figured out by the seat of your pants. And so anyway, I was very, very lucky to figure it out and ended up selling my company to, it was too big and unwieldy to, for any one buyer, but I sold it to part to my employees, part to my various competitors, split it all up and everything. It used to be the largest drafting company in California. Wow. And, and anyway, so, uh, so all the, all the different buyers are doing really well with the, with the chunks of it. And, um, they're all happy and uh, a lot younger than me, and uh, I'm I'm launched into writing thriller novels, and it's it's just been a tremendous feeling. Uh, you know, not all pure bliss. It's, there's a lot of agony mixed in, but it's uh-huh. a kind of a delicious agony. And uh, anyway, with like with Slay the Dragon, I feel so excited because with each of my books, I feel that I'm getting better. From the beginning, the the very first uh, Adam Weldon book. Uh, turned out to be great and got good reviews and you know a, a lot of acclaim. But uh, with each successive book, I can just feel myself getting better. Yeah. And uh, so Slay the Dragon is clearly just a, a really amazing achievement for me. And uh, I'm so excited. I, I mentioned to you earlier that um, it just won the Literary Titan Gold Book Award. And uh, that's the highest award. And um, with your indulgence, I'll uh, I'll share with you and our audience a, yes. a few lines from Definitely, that. Definitely, yeah. Uh, We'd love to hear that. that and congratulations also. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Go for it. Slay the Dragon by William McGinnis is a compelling, thrilling thriller novel with complex storylines with action and adventure. Readers will be invested in the story from the opening pages. And it it includes a few lines of kind of plot teaser here. This action-filled novel portrays the intensity of life in the espionage world with political agendas, civil turmoil, and an all-knowing agency watching everyone all the time. The future of the U.S. as we know it is at risk. 
Adam Weldon and his friend BC attempt to unravel what is happening and stumble upon more than they bargained for. While searching for a murderer, uh, they risk becoming the next victims. What gets the whole plot started. McGinnis's writing is well-paced and has a nice rhythm to it. The story is quick, but consistently keeps the reader engaged with a steady buildup of intrigue and action that all comes to a head in the riveting climax of the story. The characters really come alive due to detailed characterization and well-defined personalities. And I'll, I'll just skip down here. The author is able to create unique characters using free-flowing dialogue in a story that is constantly moving. And then uh, the sum, sum up is, Slay the Dragon is a riveting thriller novel that will appeal to readers looking for a suspenseful spy story. This unpredictable mystery novel will engulf the reader in its complex exploration of geopolitical predicaments while providing them with a unique storyline that will keep them engaged from the first to the last page. Literary Titan Review. Fantastic. That's that's the kind of review every author is looking for, right? <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's, uh, I, it, you know, it's it's uh, it's very gratifying to to get that acknowledgement to be able to put award winning author on my books and and so on. And uh, yeah, it's 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 quite thrilling. That's great. I want to jump back to something you said earlier. I just just a, a quick question about one thing you said, and then I have a question about your shift into fiction. So. You had said earlier that you'd you'd gotten this book deal, and then you became Whitewater Voyages. Your rafting company came after that. Is that is that right? It sounds like your book helped actually launch your whitewater rafting career. Is that true? Absolutely. You know, no. My first book. If I few little chunks of advice for other writers, which which would probably include some of the viewers of this podcast. One is that if you want to have a career in something that's a little bit uh, unusual, if you're going to just going to be a doctor, you probably don't need to do this. But if you're going to do something off the wall, like start a rafting company, write a book about it first. <laughs> if it's some, especially if it's some new endeavor where where there doesn't uh, where there's a little bit of a shortage of information, mm-hmm. where, where you can uh, pull together. Well, for instance, with whitewater rafting, it was a brand new sport, although it, it had been, uh, you know, there are people like uh, Wesley Powell who had explored the Colorado and things like that, but he he literally didn't have any idea what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so later, uh, I was just a kid. I, you know, how was I going to write a, uh, uh, I, I had worked as a guide for and uh, uh, had rafted for about 10 years. I was still a novice in comparison to others. However, I went around and I interviewed all of the well-known authorities uh, of whitewater rafting, the, the, the kind of the legendary outfitters and well-known people. And each one was happy to talk to me because it I was writing a book about their subject. They wanted to be included in the book. Right. Yeah. So they they talked to me at length and I learned a great deal from from them. And I learned a couple things. One was that none of them, they, they all knew a lot, but but they didn't know what the others knew. Oh, and so by, cool. by talking to them, I one, I gained a certain amount of just confidence and realized, you know what, I'm uh, I can play in this level with with them. They're not they're not on some godly level. I'm yeah, you know, I I'm on the same same league here. 
but also I, I took chunks from what each of them knew and put them all together into the book. And so that it seemed like to them, like, holy mackerel, this guy, this guy knows a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, cool. um, and it was a brand new sport that, that lent itself to uh, just logic and uh, clear explanation. One of my longtime core philosophies is to treat my readers' time with utmost respect. Uh, I don't waste their time with a bunch of fluff. I, I'm not like, oh, I'm a writer. All my words are so special. I'm just going to write and, and they're going to just, you know, swoon at the fact that I put words on paper. <laughs> no, I, I want them like it, with nonfiction. It's very simple. You want value. You want to make, you want to make the points, the convey information clearly and in a, in an entertaining way. Right. As simply as possible. And I had, uh, I had trained as a, as a professional guide and been exposed to the state of the art of, uh, of rafting as well as all those interviews. And, uh, so I knew enough to know that most of the explanations were unwieldy. They, they didn't, you know, and, and a lot of the information was incorrect that uh-huh. I didn't thought. And so I could just go, you know, logically look at, uh, at the subject and explain it in a very clear way and, and figure out brand new ways that were simple and clear. Right. With, 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 and I got a good artist to draw a bunch of line drawings and that sort of thing. So I explained the basic techniques of whitewater rafting. And um, it was the first time it had been done. Yeah. It did launch me into, uh, it was great for my company because... This was the company run by the guy who'd written the book. Right. And uh, yeah. so it, 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 it definitely uh, infused me with a sense of confidence that uh, I didn't have without that. But I, I still, even with the book, I didn't have it, but I could fake it better with the book. <laughs> <laughs> and then to sort of jump to where, like, you're talking about that, that nonfiction. So then what was that? that shift into fiction? What was that like for you? And what led to that? Oh, well, uh, one one point is that, so it was great being published by the New York Times Book Company. They got me in all the libraries, you know, mm-hmm. it was on uh, national TV and things like that. And uh, so it established me in a really great way. But the thing is that all, uh, well, it went back then, you could get a royalty that would go to 15% after a certain number of books. And, and that book went into so many printings, it did go to 15%, but mm-hmm. it's still just 15%. Yeah. So when I published uh, my next book, which was The Guide's Guide, and then followed by The Guide's Guide Augmented, which was How to Run River Trips. Uh, and really, I just wrote that book because I needed it to explain to my 250 river guides how to be good river guides. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to try to explain it to each one individually. Uh, I did try to, I spent a lot of time with each with, with them in, you know, in guide schools, trying to, you know, teach them how to be the best possible guides. But it took, uh, the book was, was incredibly useful in that way. But it was, why, why should I give it to a publisher when I was known in my field and uh, I could publish it myself and keep 100% of the income from it? And so uh, that led to just being indie published for years, kind of before indie publishing was cool. But uh, then when it came time to, uh, to write fiction, I just 
I didn't give it a thought. I just went went straight into, continued on in the path of indie publishing. It is different with fiction. It's harder to get reviews if you're independently published. There's a little more, you know, uh, resistance from bookstores, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm well, I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be on a podcast like this and, and, and so on. So it's, it's, it's slower going, but, um, but the book is, uh, there's all kinds of ways excuse me, now to, um, to spread the word uh, as an indie, indie writer and uh, to get the word out and that sort of thing. And so all of that's happening. Uh, my, still, my highest love is just the writing. And on many days, I think, shall I work on some marketing or shall I just write? And I just write. Let's take a short pause and we'll be right back. There is nothing like a great book to transport you to new worlds. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working on projects that transport the listener. We pay attention to the details, like making sure we have actors that can clearly differentiate the character voices, making for a great listening experience. If you have a book that you would like to get into audio, and you're looking for a team with a personalized approach, Pro Audio Voices might be just the right fit. Come visit us at ProAudioVoices.com. One of the things that I particularly love about your writing is this undercurrent of uplifting messages that you have. Could you tell us a little bit about your own undercurrent of intention? What messages do you hope that your readers will pick up on? Well, thanks so much for that question. In a way, it goes back to uh, that whole lifetime of running rivers and so on. Um, there's a certain kind of orientation that I learned and I would share with my guides and now that I share through my writing. And this, this positive dimension we're talking about is um, influenced by my whole life and including river running. And for example, uh, one of the things I learned and it, this isn't original to me, but I, I, I embrace this fully, having learned it from others, a way to bring out a peak performance in, in myself and others and to be positively oriented and to uh, basically find this positive uplift. And, and for example, there's a, three questions. What is the situation? Where are we going? How do we get there? Mm-hmm. What is the situation? Where are we going? How do we, how do we get there? It doesn't include what's wrong with me, what's wrong with you, why are you <laughs> such a jerk? You know, um, it, it, it all it's all positive. It, it's oriented toward making the most out of any situation, right. making the most out of life. So uh, it's philosophies like that that underlie my fiction. My uh, my main character Adam, who's a kind of everyman person, who uh, but he's you know he's a little bigger than life. He 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 never stops. He never he gets knocked down, but he never he never uh, stays down. Yeah. And um and and he he you know he, he's quite he has very sensitive feet, but he doesn't ever stop running over sharp rocks. You know he just uh-huh. keeps going. <laughs> uh, it's that kind of fundamental can-do attitude toward life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so wherever he is, he goes through, a like, uh, he gets kidnapped in at one point and um, in Slay the Dragon, and he wakes up in a totally different part of the world. And he, he naturally goes, 
you know, this is this is very bad news because he's um, he's been kidnapped by very very bad people, yeah, and uh, who uh, are totally happy just extracting the information from him in a, in the most gruesome gruesome way possible, and then ending his life. And and so it, as he as he wakes up and realizes this, it, it's like oh, you know, I mean, he goes through a a period of what would you say? Just taking that in and feeling sad, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> put it mildly. But yeah. uh, he, he uh, as quickly as he can, he realizes, you know what? I'm not dead yet, and I'm just going to take stock of myself and figure out what's going on, and and just and try to watch for some opportunity, some way to uh, to survive. And even if that's just for the next few minutes. Yeah, it can just survive for a few minutes, a few minutes, a few minutes, and then see see his way. And anyway, he's very resourceful, and uh, that very resourcefulness is an example for the reader as well. There's always ways to figure things out, and so I also try to make all of his solutions believable and accessible. It's mm-hmm. not like he, he's a Superman, or it's not right. like he's. Um, he he does impossible things that are that are just magical. There's no magic, you know. Right, right. He, he does these things that oh, that's really clever how he did that. You know, I got to remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, so and and so it all of that is I think fun for the reader and and uh, uplifting. You know, it, these are uplifting stories because he's overcoming significant hurdles and he's. He's on the side of good. He's trying to help people and so on. Like in Slay the Dragon, it deals with civil turmoil in America, uh, the breakdown of law and order, widespread rioting in the streets, deals with the Chinese Communist Party's quest for world domination. It deals with uh, the plight of uh, the ordinary Chinese person, including the Falun Gong membership. It deals with the 40 years of unrestricted warfare that the Chinese Communist Party has waged against the West and against America in particular. And it finds, it comes to grips with these things. And it also finds ways to, it deals, for instance, with the uh, the dissidents within China who are fighting for democracy, who are just amazing, brave souls who who revere, of all things, our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, they can quote it. Some of these people, I, this is all based on research, some, some uh, travel inside China that I did myself, but also a lot of research about uh, Chinese dissidents who who waved, you know, they're marching in Hong Kong with, with American flags, hmm. while, while, while here we have dissidents burning American flags. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, anyway. It's 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 just quite a uh, you know quite a world we live in, and I portray. I try to I try to portray all of that through this. There's an appreciation for for the challenges America faces, uh, for the fight for freedom, mm-hmm. and the fight to become aware of what what the real risks are, America, and to what we what we have is our true legacy of of freedom. So the, the the novel comes to grips with these things and and uh, finishes on on a very uh, optimistic note uh, on two levels and the the core thing though is America the human spirit all over the world is indomitable if it's awake 
Mm. We awaken to the real risks and to the real possibilities and the real beauty that we have. And um, so that those are the you know some of the themes that run through this book, yeah. as well as it being on one level, you don't even have to care about any of that. You can just like a good story that just keeps you on the edge of your seat. You know, right? Yeah. And now, uh, especially for our our audiobook author audience, I want to just ask one more question uh, here as we wrap up soon. But you've been now through the audiobook production process three and a half times, right? We have Whitewater, a thriller, Gold Bay, The Cyclops Conspiracy, and now we're in production with Slay the Dragon. Now, if you were guiding other authors down the river of audiobook production, what might you want to share with them? Well, I think one, uh, find a good outfit that's um, good to work with, such as yours. And uh, uh, be aware that audiobooks open up a whole new, wider market for your books because so many people now do their reading while commuting, while swimming, while walking, while biking, and uh, audiobooks uh, lend themselves to that. So it's a technology that's just not, you you just shouldn't miss out on the huge world that it opens up. Yeah. Uh, Another little thought is to writers, a couple of thoughts. Let me see if I can say them succinctly. One thought is there's a real challenge in writing, and it, when the writing isn't flowing, one of the little things I try to remember is to break it down into smaller steps. Mm. If, I, if I'm sitting there and the, the page stays blank or the screen stays blank, what it means is that I'm trying to take too big a step. Mm-hmm. I just break it down into a smaller step. Like, okay, I'm trying to write unconsciously, I'm trying to write the perfect sentence. Well, don't try to write the perfect sentence. Try to write a halfway decent sentence Uh sentence, or a fragment or a word. Try to just bring my attention to what I'm to, you know, reread what I've written and bring my attention to what might come next. Right. Get my seat, get my, get my behind into the, into the, into the seat in front of my computer. You know, all those little steps. Yeah. Then if, the writing still doesn't flow. Then here's point number two, uh, which is a little more hard to define, but it has to do with being with yourself and just admitting what is for you. And uh, one of the huge things in our world and for me is getting distracted and, and focusing or, or just being bothered by something so that it keeps me from focusing. And if I can just close my eyes and just accept what it what are the thoughts that i'm having what is this you know what's keeping me from being present or or putting things aside so that i can write there's a kind of phrase that uh you could use radical just saying a radical yes to whatever there is inside you mm. just say yes to it okay i'm being really bugged by my relationship i'm being really bugged <laughs> by the world situation i'm being really upset by this war that's going on i'm really, and just and so you just admit those things and then temporarily ask permission to set them aside mm. and so okay those that, that, you know i'm i'm in an in, inner turmoil over such and such okay that's part of me that's there and i'll i'll attend to you in good time, but right now, 
give me a break. Let me focus on this. And so you basically, you, you, you kind of like acknowledge that thing in you because it's there. It's, it's, it is in a sense a real part of you. And, uh, it just, it wants some attention. It, it probably on, on some level wants to save me or, you know, help me. And, uh, so if I, if I just say, I will attend to you, mm-hmm. but give me some space. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, we as humans, in our own awareness, there is magic. And if we, if we can say, yes, you're part of me, and that's there, and that's bugging me, and then we can say, and this is the real magic, we can say, so what? Move aside for a little while. I want to write. <laughs> and uh, you, you can do it. You, you, have to, you can create this, this space within you to focus and to access your inner creative wellspring you know that's where my writing comes from and it's that process is so enlivening and uh strengthening and joyous you know it is and and agonizing too (laughs) all it's all part of this creative experience as long as i'm alive i want to keep drinking from that cup bill i want to thank you so much for being with me today this has really been delightful Uh, We're going to have a moment where we're going to get to listen to a clip from the Cyclops Conspiracy. Oh. But before we do that, I just want to make sure our listeners know how to find out more about you and your works. You can go to williammcginnis.com to find out more about all of Bill's titles, including the Adam Weldon Thriller series. We're going to take a moment now to listen to a clip from The Cyclops Conspiracy by William McInnes. Thirteen suitcase nukes? Adam Weldon looked skeptical. I'm afraid so, the Admiral answered. On their way to target cities in Europe and America. Not good, Tripney said. The three of them sat in the center cockpit of the $9 million, 70-foot sloop Dream Voyager as it glided on autopilot in light winds under full sail eastward through the Strait of Gibraltar into the Mediterranean Sea. The cliffs of Morocco's Atlas Mountains slid by to starboard, while the Rock of Gibraltar towered to port. Admiral Ty Jeppesen's motor launch followed in their wake a respectful 200 yards back, while the United States aircraft carrier USS Nimitz followed two miles behind that. Why such extraordinary lengths to tell us this in person? Tripney asked. Because America, Europe, the world needs your help. The tall, somewhat world-weary admiral, an old Navy SEAL buddy of Adams, exuded authority and urgency. Eyes narrowed, Tripney said, But we need a break from all that. I realize that. The thing is, you're the perfect people, in the perfect position, to quite literally prevent World War III. Adam asked. How? Tripney crossed her arms, frowning. Back in the 80s, Jeppesen said, as the Cold War wound down, 84 portable nuclear bombs the size of attache cases went missing in the Soviet Union. Just one could devastate a city the size of Paris or New York. If 13, or any number, were set off in Europe or America by Iran-backed terrorists, the inevitable response would be to obliterate Iran and who knows what else. Russia, Iran's ally, would counterattack, and would be thrust straight into World War III. But why me and Adam? Tripney demanded, scowling. 
Thirteen of these bombs will soon be smuggled through the Greek islands aboard sailboats. Why sailboats? Tripney interrupted. Why not private jets? Private planes worked years ago, Jeppesen answered. But now, both big airports and shipping hubs, and also smaller airports, have scanners and sensors, and often bomb-sniffing dogs. And sailboats and yachting marinas are still below the radar, Adam said. Exactly, Jeppesen nodded. You haven't answered my question. Why me and Adam? Tripney asked again. The two of you sailing Dream Voyager look the part. You're glamorous. You'll blend into the Greek island's boating scene. Lots of your people can sail. Get them. You both speak Arabic. Not convincing. The real reason? Yeah, she said. Okay. The real reason? You're the best. Flattery will get you everything. Not. Seriously, Jeppesen said. You're both savvy and resourceful and deadly when needed. Let's face it, you've had more success taking down conspiracies than anyone else we have. Hmph, <laughs> Tripney glowered, immobile. What Ty is too diplomatic to say, Adam said to Tripney, is that we're also unofficial, below the radar, and expendable. Well, the Admiral admitted, there is that. So if something happens to us, there's full deniability, Tripney said. That's some sales pitch, Adam asked. So what is the situation? We're looking at a new Islamic terrorist threat group. Calls itself the Jamate al-Aliamlach. That operates in the Greek islands. Jeppesen looked out over the sun-drenched water toward the eastern horizon. Means Cyclops Group. And we think it's a mix of ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. They're constantly changing, adapting. Iran supplies weapons. To finance their operations, they raid antiquities, arrange for human trafficking, you name it. All manner of dirty, nasty stuff. What's weird, despite being religious fanatics intent on getting into paradise by imposing Allah's law, the Sharia on all the world. Some of them have developed a taste for the good life, sailing, partying, carousing on the idyllic islands of the Aegean. We need to penetrate this group as soon as possible, no later than yesterday. We've got to identify and track the key operatives and their boats and find and secure those bombs. Spread throughout the Aegean? That's 6,000 islands, Tripney blurted out. We have leads, the admiral locked eyes with her. You'll have to be resourceful. Use your wits. Adam scratched his head and rubbed his chin and eventually nodded. Tripney rolled her eyes and shook her head. Again, Bill, thank you. It's been a delight. Well, thank you. The, the pleasure has been mine. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.